if you don't know where to get started, then look at what's in front of you and, and really try to distill what you see as success into the smallest manageable and uh, accomplishable thing and then do that one thing. And then once that one thing is done, do that same process, figure out what the next uh, tiny manageable accomplishable thing is and do that next thing. And when you do that every day and you build a pattern of, of progress, you'll be pretty surprised at how, how far you get. Hey everyone, this is uh, Devin Miller here at The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the uh, serial entrepreneur that's also the uh, founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And today on the podcast, we have another great guest. Name is Mitch. And uh, Mitch is a started his career out at Ernest Young, decided that that wasn't for him. So he moved or packed up, moved all his belongings to San Francisco decided to uh, wanted to be part of the tech community and the startup community. Friends put him in touch with Everbright, uh, Eventbrite, I think is right. Um, yeah, and then from Eventbrite, stayed there for a while and then decided, hey, I can do this better. I'm going to go tour the world, do my backpacking uh, trip through Spain and uh, maybe start a business and move back. And he's now doing the, what he'll tell you a little bit more about his business today. So welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So... So I gave you a little bit of an intro, but uh, maybe uh, if you want to share just a little bit more of your journey and how things are going. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started about four years ago, a company called Joinit and Joinit is a SaaS platform for small, medium-sized nonprofits to sell. SaaS is software as a service, just for anybody that doesn't know what a SaaS is. So you got it. Sorry, I'll try to software. No, I'm, I just find the lingo people in. So go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. No, absolutely. So, uh, we provide software for nonprofits uh, to sell and track their membership. So the typical customer would be uh, like a professional association uh, that you might join or uh, a charity. And we even serve like local yoga studios that need to charge a monthly membership for people to uh, attend their classes. Okay. So you did that. And now we're, you know, I think that's a good summary and it, it gives people an idea of kind of what you're doing and, and how you're doing it. Now, as the name implies, we do the in journey. So starting now from the end point, now let's back up and start to where your journey started and how you got to doing join it. Yeah, perfect. So as you mentioned, I started my career right after college at Ernst & Young and I was doing IT auditing and it was the driest thing I think I've ever done. Uh, part of my job was walking through data centers and making sure there was like 12 inches of space between the floor and the ground to make sure that it was preventative against floods and things like that to make sure that uh, the systems that uh, hold financial records and the financial data keeping relies on um, are resilient so that it can pass like the the uh, socks testing and uh, come into compliance. And I think I almost fell asleep explaining that. So <laughs> it's uh, no wonder why I wanted to get out of it pretty quick. And I only lasted a few quarters there before I started looking around. And um, I was already in San Francisco for that job. And so I uh, was put in touch with a couple startups. And one I eventually joined was Eventbrite. And an awesome career at Eventbrite. I actually had a few lives, uh, lives there where I started on the sales team um, was there for about a year and then moved to the marketing team where I was in charge of partnerships. The typical partnerships I was building were integrations with other software 
and you start to see where this goes, where we were building uh, integrations with like MailChimp and WordPress and these other popular SaaS platforms uh, that small businesses were using to connect to Eventbrite. Um, this made sure that their data, like when someone buys a ticket to an event, which is the service that Eventbrite provides, uh, syncs to their other platforms. So someone buys a ticket on Eventbrite, I would be in charge of making the connection so that that information, like the email address associated with the ticket buyer flows into your MailChimp account, uh, which is email marketing, so that you can email them after the event about your next event. Um, you're I did you're that. the one to blame that uh, for all the spam email you get every time yeah. you sign up with their, or purchase something for an event. Is that, yep. is that my <laughs> summary of what happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. We, we help those creators follow up uh, to, to help keep you informed on their, their upcoming events. Um, and so I was uh, on the marketing team leading that initiative for about two years before I moved over to the product team to uh, own the product side of that. So started on the business side, building those relationships, driving the integrations to where I actually manage uh, the product that you'd build the integrations on. And uh, the technical people uh, watching the podcast will be familiar with the term APIs or application programming interface, where that's really the, the hooks that you build into uh, these different software platforms. So I'd make these APIs talk to each other. And then I was in charge of building new APIs, which would unlock new ways that different platforms could uh, interact and, and build value for the mutual customers. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. And then something that kept happening was we had customers of Eventbrite asking us to integrate with membership software. So there'd be the yoga studio, for example, that would say, you know, I do all of my classes through Eventbrite, but we have a membership offering and that membership gets $10 off their tickets. And I really need my membership system to talk to uh, Eventbrite. And at the time I reached out to a lot of uh, players in the space because there's definitely a lot of membership solutions out there and none of them were interested in integrating. Uh, and to me, it seemed like a very obvious opportunity, but everyone in the market took this very like, all-in-one approach where they provided your membership solution, but also provided your event management solution and also provided your email marketing solution. They'd bundle it all in one and sell it to the customer. So I, after being like hit in the head with this idea of integrated membership management for what felt like uh, two years, I said, fine, I'm, I'm going to go build this. And, and so I did. So, so it, it was really a, a, an obvious problem. In, but you mm -hmm. You were at Eventbrite, you had this idea, and you decided, yeah. okay, hit you in the head, hit you in the head long enough, I'm yeah. going to go do this, I'm going to do my startup. But then in the middle of that, you decided, but I'm going to take what it was, or a trip to Spain for a little while. Yeah. All right? <laughs> the, the way I, I rationalized it to my parents at the time was San Francisco, as everyone knows, is one of the most expensive cities in the country, right? And so my apartment in San Francisco would have crushed my burn rate or the amount of uh, the, the rate at which I was spending my life savings on on starting this new company if I stayed in San Francisco. So it was only logical for me to go to Spain where I found an apartment that was a quarter of the cost and bigger and uh, uh, in a new country. It was, it was another benefit uh, to San Francisco. So I, I extended my burn rate. It was a, a very uh, smart financial move as well as fun, fun adventure. Uh, we'll go with uh, a fun adventure. Smart financial. You could go out to the middle of Wyoming. Yeah. I'm pretty sure rent would be even cheaper than Spade. You might that's not be true. as fun of an adventure. <laughs> no, you, gotta, 
when you're building the business, you got to make sure you're still living your life at the same time. That's a big philosophy. Right. <laughs> so you went and when did Spain? And I think you moved around for a little while. When we talked mm-hmm. before, you went from Spain, you went to New York, you went yep. to Paris, and then you yep. ended up coming back to California. Yeah. So when in, when when within all of your world travels did you start um, your your current company? You, you start joining up. So before Spain, um, it was in incorporated in October 2016, um, and that was when I got on a flight on October 16th to to go to Spain. Um, so that was really a, a nice benefit as well. You could get this in Wyoming, but being socially isolated, uh, you could certainly really, get that Wyoming. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, really helped. I mean, it's it's kind of a a brutalist way to look at it, but um, being in a, in a space where I, I wasn't distracted by the normal social life that I had in San Francisco really had me, at least for that short period, it was only three months of time, um, but focus, like live, eat, breathe, join it, and build a new product uh, that got to a place where it was viable and we had paying customers by uh, the end of that three months. So if you were to do it, you basically took a world tour, decided I'm going to go have fun, but then at the same time, because you're basically software as a service or SaaS, you're able to build it from anywhere. So it doesn't limit you. You don't have to be tied to an office or a specific location. Did you have any team at that time? Or is it really just you and I'm going to code it all myself? Yeah, hundred percent me. So the, the we is talking about the corporation. <laughs> Join it. But it was just Mitch at the time. Um, okay. So you did that and you said it, so you, it took you about three months to build it or how long did it take you to build it? Yeah. Three months. And it, it is kind of a, a funny timeline to try to quote because I'm, I'm still building it today. I'll still be building it for the next, you know, however many years and it's, it's never done. And sure. so we, at least you never had this generation like, one was out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, even that might, might be misleading into like how we built the product. Cause it, it went from like 0.01 to 0.02 to 0.03 to 0.04. Like it never, there's never like one version that we were working towards. We were shipping, Again, the, the funny we, I was shipping code every day, like literally every day to the software and someone would sign up. Like we had signups, you know, two weeks after I put up the site, but they'd get to a point where they'd go, oh, it doesn't do this thing. And I expected it to do that right. thing. So we probably got our first customer in October or, or November, but it, it wasn't a, you know, viable product probably until uh, January of that year. Okay. But I, and I think, but I think there's some wisdom in that in the sense that you can, you can build it out and there's always, and that's the cursing and the blessing with software is you can build a lot of features and it's what I, you know, I have a friend that and somebody else in the business that I've I've helped co-found that always calls it creature or feature creep, right? Where Mm -hmm. you can have 20 different features and every time it's like, well, we could add this and we could add this, we could do this. And yet if you never get it out and get it in front of customers and you never actually have, you know, have it in front of them, you can build a whole bunch of features that may be useless and, yep. they, and you miss the mark of not having those. So I think there's wisdom and hey, even if it's getting it out there, getting the feedback, knowing what to adjust and making it yep. better is going to make it, you know, it's going to be a better way to release it than going to, um, you know, trying to make a whole bunch of features and then wasting half of your time on it. So I think that that's certainly yep. a wise way to do it. And then you can get that feedback. So how did you, you know, so that's a fairly quick timeline to both code a product, software mm-hmm. service, get it launched and start getting customers. So how did you, within all of your world travels, was it just purely a website and SEO play? People were looking up. 
did you have customers that you were reaching out from previous contacts or how did you kind of get that launch going? Yeah. So the, the initial, like the first probably hundred customers predominantly came through integrations that we built. So, uh, and this was like the program that I worked on at Eventbrite was the API platform so that other companies could connect Join it became my company became one of those companies that connected, and most of these platform larger companies have carrots to try to get developers to build off of their platform, and a lot of that looks like getting you in front of their customers. So we built integrations with Eventbrite, we built integrations with Mailchimp, we built integrations with Stripe, which is a payment processor, and then they introduced us to their users, um, and that was where our first couple customers came from. Okay. So you do that and you get a couple of customers, you continue to figure out what they want to iterate through it. You know, was it just straight as soon as you launched it, everything went perfect and successful, <laughs> built it out? Were there any hills and valleys or how did the launch go for you? Uh, I mean, it, it went pretty well. It, the, the nice thing and the worst thing about software as a service is, and I'll, I'll kind of expand on this for, for the audience is with software as a service, your selling access to your software and typically it comes with recurring billing. So you sign someone up and they pay you every month to access your software. And so when you acquire that customer, it's pretty reliable that they're going to stick around and a few might leave every month. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really valuable when you get them on board and you can build your business and it makes your revenue look like this. Like there's not a lot of software service companies that, that have this like beautiful S curve that you or beautiful, like, uh, uh, curve that you see with uh, Silicon Valley companies, a lot of them look like this very long, slow, linear graph of growth. And that's what we've had. And so it, it hasn't been the uh, peaks and valleys of uh, uh, one month having riches, the next month being broke. It's just been a, a very long slog. And there, there is a term in the industry called the slow ramp of death because a lot of people uh, – don't plan for how long this will take to actually build the momentum of this uh, recurring revenue engine uh, where you have a a decent accumulation of customers to be profitable. So um, yeah, it was the, the, the downside was the long, slow slog of it, but it never had like the kind of crash that you might see in like consumer apps where you build up this big buzz, you launch, you get press, and then the next month, it's crickets. Um, or someone, they'd stick around, but it was just a, a slog to, to get enough uh, people to, to be profitable. And how did you, and so how long did it take you to reach that profitability point? How long were you holding your breath, waiting for that <laughs> to ramp up far enough? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the, the, big, the biggest expense is obviously... Uh, labor. So me and, and then deciding, uh, and there's another term in the industry called ramen profitability, where it's like, are you profitable enough to pay yourself, um, enough of a salary to live off top ramen is, is where, where it comes from. And so we were ramen profitable probably after a year and a half or, or so, um, where I was finally paying myself to where I wasn't drawing from savings, uh, and of course that, you know, those lines on the graph got closer and closer where in the first month it was all savings. And by a year in, it was 
maybe half. And then by a year and a half, I was, I was finally break even. Um, but it wasn't until gosh, a, a few quarters ago that, um, I paid myself what I was making before I left Eventbrite, which was my personal like goal. Like if I can start this company and get to a place where I'm closer to what was my market rate salary, that was kind of the, the big shining, um, big shining goal that, that we achieved. So we slash I, yeah, now the, uh, now the team is on the back. Cause there's yeah. <laughs> So now the team is uh, three folks. So when I say we in the present. Now there is, now there is yeah. an actual we. Yeah. So we do have uh, someone on customer support and uh, she's lovely. She takes care of all our customers in a, in a really wonderful way. And then we have someone else uh, who heads up all of our marketing initiatives. Um, so they uh, help us find even more customers. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So now you take, so you went from Eventbrite, did your tour through all or tour around the world. <laughs> and at the same time, started your business, got to profitability, or got to ramen profitability. Now you've got to enough profitability, replaced your salary, bringing on some additional people, customer support, and people to help to offset and to get even more done. Where do you see the next six months, to, six to 12 months go for you? What's the yeah. plan or trajectory or what's the, what's in store next? Yeah, I mean, the really this year, 2020, global pandemic aside, uh, was about uh, what I would call like productizing our acquisition and marketing channels. So we were growing at a decent clip every month, uh, but it was um, sometimes it, it, it seemed like it was out of our control how much we grow month to month. And we didn't quite have the, the levers down. Like the idea that the channel that we grow from Google AdWords uh, grows at this much a month. And if we invest a little more money into AdWords, then we can accelerate that channel. Um, that's like the perfect place that you want to be in a business because then you can be the master of your own destiny a bit more. Uh, so our growth felt like very ad hoc last year. And that was one of the reasons that we brought on our head of marketing was so they can productize it and turn it into more of a growth machine. Um, so that's what, that's what we've been working on. And it's even, uh, even forgetting the uh, macroeconomic uh, headwinds of a global pandemic, we have been growing uh, faster this year than we were last year, which as a business is getting larger, doesn't happen all that often. Um, so it's, it's really good to see. And I continue to um, expect for us to step on the gas a little bit to, to continue growing this year. And then, I mean, more broadly, like I'm, when, when people reach out, because when you're a profitable SaaS company of our size, you have a lot of people that are looking to invest or potentially acquire. Um, I, I give the same response, which is that I, I wake up every day excited to work on joining. I'm, I'm really loving like this job and this career. So I have no plans to, uh, to, to sell or to, to move on to the next thing. I'm, I'm really excited to be working on it. So keep steady um, in general to, to continue growing the business. Well, that's, like, that's exciting. So it sounds like some great, uh, <laughs> great things that are to come and uh, a, a great uh, journey yet, to, yet to in front of you. So that's exciting. So, yeah. well, as we reach towards the end of the podcast, I always ask two questions. So maybe we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, what was the worst business decision you ever made? 
Gosh, I, I don't know if uh, people give such specific ones, but I definitely have one. <laughs> Early on in the in the days of Join It, I coded a really bad bug into the platform where there was like a never ending loop that would send an email and it picked one customer to just send an email. And I probably sent about 10,000 emails. So I DDoS like a huge denial of service attack towards one email that was on our platform. And it was by far the most embarrassing thing I've ever done. Uh, And I had to go to them because they took a chance on us early and it was a very uh, humbling experience. That was definitely the worst thing I've ever (laughs) decision I've ever made. (laughs) <laughs> were they understanding did you lose the customer or how did that end up working super out? lovely they're still a customer today and i'm i'm so grateful for it <laughs> well that's awesome no i like the specificities and i always like you know it's, it's one of those where you can look you oftentimes you learn from your mistake and that's one that you know i've learned in software and had others that you know oftentimes you want to release things as quick as you can and and then you try and be also trying to you have the i want to release as quick as i can i want to debug it to make it perfect yeah and you're never going to catch all the bugs. And so you always have all these competing interests and you're trying to balance all of them as to how much testing you do. There's always those things that no matter how much you test until you get it out in the wild, it never pops up. Yeah. So I think mean, that's a, it's a great mistake to learn from. Yeah. Even with testing, I, I could have never imagined how we would have tested for this scenario that they had set up. You know, there's just so many edge cases. It's, it's, it's something sometimes you just run into, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so, all right. So now we jump to the second question which is somebody that was just one or just getting into startups or wanting to get into startups kind of in that mode or that phase of life, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Uh, get started. Like one of my, one of my big things is that uh, I, I hate when people play gatekeepers, especially in tech and software, people will say, Oh, you need to use this framework or you need to be a real, de- like to do X, you need to be a real developer, like have a CS degree or something like that. And I don't buy any of that. I think if I can build a software business, literally anyone can. Uh, so get started. And then the the second follow on to that would be, if you don't know where to get started, then look at what's in front of you and, and really try to distill what you see as success into the smallest manageable and uh, accomplishable thing and then do that one thing. And then once that one thing is done, do that same process, figure out what the next uh, tiny manageable accomplishable thing is and do that next thing. And, when you do that every day and you build a pattern of, of progress, you'll be pretty surprised at how, how far you get. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Now I'm going to ask my one bonus question, which yeah. I'm only asking to you. Okay. Which is <clears throat> because most people, <clears throat> excuse me, I got all choked up asking you the question. <laughs> no, <clears throat> there we go. What are most people, they don't haven't traveled as much as you. So you've been San Francisco, you've been to Spain, You've yeah. been to New York, you've been to now in a couple different places in California. Favorite place to live, which one is it? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, my favorite place and the place that I would move tomorrow if I, if I could would be London. Uh, with Eventbrite, I did six months there after Eventbrite acquired uh, a British company. And so I got to live there and made amazing friends and good culture. They have good work-life balance and I, I just love it there that's where yeah all right so london's a place to live all london's right place. make a mental note yeah <laughs> okay um well so as we wrap up um people want to use your product they want to get involved they want to apply to get a job there they yeah. want to do whatever um what's the best way to reach out to you 
Definitely. So joinit.org is where you can find all about joinit. And then I'm on Twitter at, uh, at caller and C-O-L-L-E-R-A-N. All right. Well, they'll either check out the website and or Twitter. And uh, certainly anybody that's looking for some um, service or software as a service for what you guys are providing at Joinit, I recommend that they reach out to you guys. And uh, you guys, looks like you're doing a great job and only have uh, a great journey you'll left in front of you. Well, awesome. thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been fun to have you on, hear your journey. Wish you all the best of the next leg of your journey. Um, thank you. And then for those of you that are wanting to uh, tell your journey and come on the podcast, certainly feel free to apply at inventivejourney.com. Um, love to hear your, uh, everybody's journeys. Um, for those of you that are subscribers and listeners or listeners, make sure to subscribe so that you can catch all the new episodes, including this one, and get in that notification. And certainly if you need any help with patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law, and we're definitely here to help. Thanks again for coming on. It was a pleasure. It was fun to talk with you and wish you the best. Thanks, Evan. Take care. Okay. Bye.